Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Give God one more praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Our Lord is good, and He is good all the time, and all the time, He is good. Amen? He sure is, and um, He's done great things in our lives. He's doing great things in our midst, and, um, and maybe you're here, and maybe you're a guest, or you haven't been here for a while, that you would open up your heart to know His goodness um, and that's the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord does so much for us, from drawing men to repentance, drawing us closer to him. Um, so I just thank the Lord for his goodness, and I want you to walk into his goodness and forget about what I want. Trust me, the Lord wants you to walk and experience, encounter his goodness. And if you just come in contact with that goodness, I believe that your life would be transformed forever. I believe that. I believe that. And uh, today, I want to share a message with you that I'm probably going to be on for, for some time, I'm thinking. And it's a message that is, today is titled, You're in Season, or You Are in Season. You're in Season. And that's an interesting phrase. It's an interesting statement that you are in season. Because I've preached here at our nest, uh, and I've had many conversations Um, about seasons, as seasons of a believer, seasons in our lives as followers of Christ. You've heard us say things here like, oh, well, this just not my season, or I'm in a season of this, or, and we speak about seasons as waves, as these moments in our lives of ups and downs and, and surprises and things like this, and we call them seasons, and that believers do a good job in calling that seasons. But we know, even in the physical realm, on our earth here, we have four seasons in one year, as we're just speaking about seasons here on earth. We have spring, as we're getting back to school, we're going to learn our seasons today, all right? We got spring, we got summer, we got fall, and we got winter. Did I say them right? All right, good. So we got four seasons in a year. Spring, summer, fall, and winter. Now, you, I, I get it. You're sitting here, and if you're from here, um, you're like, not really. And, and I understand that, that here in Miami, we, most, most, I, I, okay, we have summer all year round and maybe two days of cold fronts, you know. But, but that's it. It's pretty much summer with some dips in the 60s, and we all take out our gloves and our I mean, it's uh, a scarves, and we come, I mean, come on. It's 60 degrees, but whatever. Um, but there's seasons on this earth. If you're up north, you, you experience, and you got to wake up earlier to, to get the snow off the driveway and off your car. And I mean, you have to go through all these changes when it comes to seasons on earth. But one can say when it comes to our own lives, to our very own personal lives, that our lives are made up of seasons, you may say. Maybe someone has come up to you and asked you a weird question like, so what season are you in in your life? And you're like, what do you mean? What season? But if we really look closely in our lives, maybe you can say there are seasons. We have summer days, just like the earth has summer days. 
where everything is radiant and sunny and feeling good. I don't know. Summer brings, at least for me, maybe you guys have a different feeling when it comes to summer. But summer is about outside and fun, right? People go to the pool and the beach and, 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 and take vacations. And summer, maybe you have a lot, uh, time, moments in your lives where it's like summer. Maybe you have moments in your lives where it's fall, fall days. Fall days when you're in a relaxing, you're in a relaxing season. You're in a, you're in a cozy season. You're feeling comfortable. You're positive. It's just relaxing. I'm, I'm in a season of fall. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, I'm in a good place. Maybe you've had winter seasons. Winter seasons, maybe they're not the best description for your life. Maybe we could describe winter seasons. Again, this is just like a word play. It doesn't mean that it's true for all of our lives. But maybe you have winter seasons, and that could be moments where like, your trees die, and it's cold. It's really cold out, and, and things seem to be dead or in hibernation. During winter seasons, you may feel moments of your life where you're isolated, you're overwhelmed with life. You've ever had seasons like that? You've ever had a season like that where you're overwhelmed? But, but that's three seasons that we've mentioned, but thank God there's another season, and there's a season called spring season as well. And spring season <clears throat> for you in your life may be when things become alive again. Things spring up again. Our lives spring up. Flowers begin to blossom. Trees turn green again. We feel energized. We're filled with vision. We're in that kind of season in our lives. I'm sure all of us could testify of different moments of our lives where we've experienced this kind of stuff. So I ask you a question. Here's the weird question if anyone's ever asked you. What season are you in? What season are you in? Are you in winter? Are you in summer? Fall? Are you in spring? What season? However you define that today, my message is titled, You're in Season. And you might ask, well, which one is it? You're just in season. You're in season. And you say, well, you have no idea the season I'm in. Man, maybe someone's here like, I'm going through it. Or maybe someone here is like, I'm having a blast. But my answer is, you are in season. However and wherever you're at in life, you're in season. And the season that I'm talking about, and I'm going to take time to uh, speak on, is you are in God's season. And you should write that down. You're in God's season. And, and maybe you feel like, I don't know yet. I'm not understanding what you're saying. Can you please define this or explain this a little bit more? But, but we're going to talk about this. Because however it is and wherever you're at, how you're feeling, I want to remind you that as the screen says, and you should write that down boldly in your notes, you are in season. However you feel, whatever you feel, you're in season. I want to visit Paul. And Paul writes to young Timothy. He writes to someone he mentors and someone he's taught and and as Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to surf around, so if you're taking notes, just write down some of these verses, and then we'll get into some text where we'll stay on for a little bit. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, younger Timothy is learning. He's opening up this scroll. He's opening up this letter, and it's written from a more seasoned, experienced Paul. And we can say that Timothy was going through some, re, some, some very deep seasons in his life. 
strong seasons in his life. What I mean by that is he's gone through some hardships. He's gone through some ups. He's had some challenges in his life. You have, you've lived long enough to experience challenges in your life. Hardships in your life. And Paul, the pastor of Timothy in a sense, writes to him. And he writes him a letter. Paul is speaking to Timothy and he delivers this and Timothy opens it to see what his pastor has to say to him. What the word of God is for him. And I feel strongly about this hardship and difficulty that Timothy was in. I feel strongly about it because of some of the things that Paul, his teacher, his mentor or father in the faith, right, writes to him. For example, I'll give you an example. Look at this one. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, he starts his letter to young Timothy saying words like this. He says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies that were once made about you that by following them, you may fight the good fight. Paul is writing to Timothy, and Paul is saying to Timothy, in the introduction of his letter, he is saying, Timothy, read between the lines, guys. He's saying, don't lose hope. I know we're separated. I know you're pastoring in another region. I get it can be difficult. I know you're going through some hardships. You've been tested. Some people have come against your teaching and your preaching style and the way that you decorated your church and how cold the AC is on that Sunday and all those things. But Timothy, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope, Timothy, he tells him. What is he telling Timothy? He says, keep the words that were spoken to you about you. Keep those words in your heart. Follow them. Follow the word. Hold on to the words of God. Keep, look what he says. Keep fighting the good fight. Are you, church, are you fighting the good fight? Are you fighting the good fight? Paul's telling Timothy, keep fighting the good fight. Don't take off the gloves. The ring hasn't rung yet. It's not time to sit down. Stay in there. You have an opponent. I know it's difficult. Life can be hard. But come on, stay hopeful. Fight the good fight, young Tim. Fight the good fight. And that's what Paul is encouraging Timothy. He starts his letter to Timothy like that. What an amazing encouragement to start. Dear son, keep fighting. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Keep on. So much more is said after those first few sentences. So much much, so much more encouragement to Timothy. So much more instruction is given to Timothy. I'll read another one. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, Paul continues in another letter, and he's writing to Timothy, and he says things like this. Not just fight the good fight, to not lose hope, but he also says in 2 Timothy 2, 3, endure suffering along with me. I love that Paul had empathy. I love that Paul was alongside him. And I love that Paul says, you could share in your suffering with me. I too am suffering. 
Paul was not trying to make himself better than Timothy or trying to let Timothy know you must be doing something wrong if you're suffering. I'm just letting you know to join the club and suffer alongside with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, Paul says. If we're soldiers of Christ, guess what? Bullets fly our ways. Swords are swung at our necks. And what do we do? We keep fighting the good fight. As a soldier of Jesus Christ, we endure suffering and we endure hardships. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. How many of you could say amen? amen. And before 2 Timothy 2, 3, he, he goes even in writing to Timothy, not just about these things, but he even reminds him about his family. Timothy, let me take you back to your grandmother. Paul writes this. Do you know that Paul writes a letter to Timothy and he reminds Timothy of his grandmother, Hyalene's abuelas? He says, let me talk to you about your abuela. Let me talk to you about your mommy. What do you call your moms? Ma? I call my mom Ma. Mommy. Your grandmother. Some of you say Nani, Nana, Boo Boo, Baba, Weli, Abu, all these names, whatever. And he says this. He reminds him of his grandmother, Lois. He reminds him of his mother, Eunice. And he writes to them in, in this letter about the faith that they had. Your grandmother, Timothy. Your grandmother, Lois, had faith. Your mother, Eunice, Timothy. She had faith. And that same faith in Jesus is in you, young Tim. Timothy, that faith is in you. And Paul tells him, Something very important. He says, I laid hands on you, Timothy, and God has given you spiritual gifts. And he tells Timothy something amazing. He says, fan, fan them into flames. Come on, Tim. Don't grow dull. Exercise your gifts. Use your gifts. Use them out loud and, and let the Lord use you for his kingdoms and in sec, in, for his kingdom. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writes to Timothy and says, For everything that I'm telling you, all of this that life brings your way, young Tim, don't forget these words. He says in chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, self-discipline, a sound mind. Come on. Church, can I talk to you for a moment? God has not given you a spirit of fear to be timid, but of power and of love to have a sound mind. Amen. And Paul writes that to Tim. He speaks that into Tim's life. Sometimes we need encouragement. We need to be told, yes, I can do this. And these are just some of the things that Paul addresses. These are some of the things that I wanted to highlight. But as I highlight some of these things, we can agree and say that Timothy went through it. He went through it. He's going through it in this letter and he knew the seasons of life. He's going through one, man. He's being tested. He's being attacked. He's being spoken about. He's being broken. And Paul has to write a letter to encourage him. And I thank God that it's allowed and it's in the Bible. And here it is to encourage us. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. But Paul doesn't end there. Now that I think I've placed a foundation for today, I want you to look at what Paul writes to Timothy. 
in the fourth chapter of his second letter. In 2 Timothy 4, he says to Timothy, I charge you. I charge you in what? In the presence of God. I charge you in the presence of God. Listen, look at this. It'll come up now. And of Christ Jesus. I charge you. And now he speaks about the presence of God. He speaks about Jesus Christ. And he says, I charge you in the presence of the Lord. And look what he says next. Who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. And what is the charge? What do you charge me before the presence of God in Paul as Timothy is reading this? And here is the charge. He says, preach the word. What should you write down in your notes today? Here it is. Preach the word. So when should I preach it, Paul? Today's message is titled, You're in Season. And the charge that Paul gives Timothy is preach the word. And how do I preach it? When do I preach it? Where do I preach it? Here's the answer written in scripture. You preach the word and you'll be ready in season and out of season. And what does the word mean preach do? He says preach the word in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. That's what you're to do, young Tim. These two verses are important and they're strongly written by Paul to young Timothy. He is saying the presence of God The presence of Christ Jesus is present, Timothy, is here, Timothy, with the words that you are reading in this letter. As you read this letter, the presence of the Lord is with you. And with the authority of Christ, with the authority of his word, here it is, I charge you, I charge you, as a good pastor, Timothy, You are to take heed of what I'm about to say. You must take this serious, is what Paul is saying. You must take it on. Are you seeing the beauty of this letter? Are you seeing the heart behind Paul like a father to Timothy, like a son to him? I want you to think about this as Paul is writing this letter and he sits in a cold, damp prison cell. Paul is in prison, and he's thinking about his young brother, Timothy. And he says, you know what? The Holy Spirit is leading me to write a letter to Timothy. He's in a cold, damp prison cell. I want you to picture Paul there. But he understood that there was a spiritual reality that was present. That went beyond the walls of his cell. Spiritually, through his letter... He gives a serious testimony to his young friend, to his associate, to his associate Timothy. And he did all of this in the presence of God, who he says would judge us all. To Paul, it wasn't lightly written. To Paul, it was written with reverence, with brokenness, and with a fire in his heart. And he writes to young Timothy from a cold prison cell, most likely. He says, Timothy, I charge you. And what's the charge? Did you catch it, church? We kind of gave you a cheat sheet already. The charge is preach the word. Timothy, you're not just to like the word. Um, I'm sorry. I'm thinking that 
I'm thinking that you're here thinking that I'm just speaking about a letter that was written to Timothy. Forgive me for that. So let me put your name where Timothy's name is and say, church, it's not different with us. This brings great truth to us and application to our lives. Where we could also say, what's the charge in my life? And the Lord could tell us, you preach the word. Timothy, you preach the word. Regal, Nest Church, you're not just to like the word. And Timothy, you're not just to know the word or approve of the word, but you are required to preach the word. And you say, well, when am I to preach it? Well, when is Timothy to preach it? Well, what does Paul say? In season and out of season. How can you preach in season and out of season? Because you're always in season. When the world goes through its seasons, you remain and you're ready to give a word. You have a moment where the Lord opens up his window and you're ready in that season or you're ready if it's out of that season. You're ready. What I mean by this is it's that it's a constant It's constant in your heart. It's constant in your mouth. And we tend to think often, as I do, that this is the duty of a preacher, of a teacher, of an evangelist, of a pastor, etc. But no, we have to disagree and believe that it's the responsibility for all of us. All who call themselves children of God are to preach, are to preach the word of God, are to preach Jesus to the world. Amen? Know it. Know the word. Know that's your responsibility and we come Sundays to hear. No way. Don't don't ever put that pressure on me. Only. Know it. Study it. Believe it. And know that you have the opportunity now to preach it. Listen to this. You have the opportunity to preach it with words often to those around you. And you have the ability to preach it with how you live daily to those around you. You preach the word of God with how you live, and you preach the word of God with how you speak. We have the ability to preach with both, with both words and lifestyle. And you may be sitting here and say, well, I feel like I'm not in season for that. Or I'm not in the right season to do this. It's okay, because we preach the word out of season. We preach the word in season. Paul says, preach the word in it out of it. If you have received Jesus, if you received his salvation, then we need the light that is in us to what? To shine out from us so that others can be freed from the darkness that they are in. Who else is going to set them free? Yes, your prayer to the almighty God, but giving action through his sons on earth and his daughters on earth. I'm praying about it. Thank you for praying about it. Now church, let's do something about it. And you could say, well, what do I do then? Where do I start? I guess the best, the first stepping stone is, well, always be ready. What I mean is you preach it when it's easy and you preach it when it's hard. You preach it when the fruit is evident and you preach it when the fruit seems invisible. It's just not there. You feel like it's not there. Our call is to always be ready and just preach it. I have a word for you today that the Lord has stirred in my heart. 
And it's this. Wherever you're at in life, however you feel today, remember these three words. You're in season. Even when things around you are out of season, listen to this. You are a child of God. You don't stop being a child of God. I'm going through so much. Today, I can't be a child of God. No, you're always a child of God. You have the living word in you. You have the spirit of the living God dwelling in you. And we remain ready to preach the word of God with our words and with our lives. And as church, ignite that fire inside of you. Ignite that word inside of you. And be used. It's your season. There's a story that is told of a clergyman from a church in England. I want you to listen to this. There was this church in England and this clergy who had been gloriously saved, transformed. Jesus changed his life. He began to, he began to preach the gospel to the whole parish and his whole parish got saved. And then he started preaching in neighboring parishes. And the clergymen of those parishes, parishes began to be offended. And they asked the bishop to make the man stop. So when the bishop confronted him, he said, I hear you are always preaching and you don't seem to be doing anything else. <laughs> So the changed man, the man who's been transformed, answers to the bishop and says, Well, bishop, I only preach during two seasons of the year. And the bishop, relieved, says, Oh, good. That means there's going to be two seasons that he stays quiet. So the bishop says, I'm glad to know that. What seasons are they? And the man on fire says, In season and out of season. Come on, church. Church, come on. You don't just wait for summer to start preaching. You don't wait for spring to start preaching. There are people that are living in their winter, in their coldest days, where everything seems dead and broken and they're afraid. And you preach in season and out of season. I don't know where to start. Go home today and start preaching to your walls. Take a shower today and start preaching to the masses in your shower. Begin to practice. Begin to declare your testimony. You have a co-worker, a family member, a friend. You have an acquaintance. You have someone that you do life with every single day that is living in misery. And maybe you're here today and you're hearing this and you're in misery. It's your season. It's your season. Come on. It's our time to do this. This is what we're called to. This is the church. What a charge we have. No. Yes. <laughs> we have a charge. That's got to be Rooster's son. Rooster's child, daughter. Carlos always doing something crazy. I love you guys. The word needs it to come out of us. Amen? Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete teaching and patience. You know he doesn't end there? Come on, church. I just, just got excited together. You and I, we did it together. Don't blame me for it. You guys started clapping and I started feeling good. I was like, yeah, I'm going to... 
I feel your passion, and we feel each other's passions. So it's your fault too that I got loud. But he doesn't end there. Paul's letter doesn't just say, period, stop, the end, close it up, let's go home and have some dinner. He says, in and out of season. You're always ready, always ready. Why, why, why? Because verse 3 is so important. Just as verse 4, just like the rest of the letter, verse 3, Paul doesn't end in his writing. He says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. If there is a time when we are living that. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. I like what they say. They make me feel good. This is where I must be. That might be the greatest danger in your life that you're feeling good every single time. You know how many times I've heard the word of God and nothing in me felt good. Everything in me was like, I need to repent. <laughs> I need to. And then there's days where you do feel good. And it was an encouragement. And it was glory from glory to glory. But Paul writes to Timothy, there's coming a time when this happens. And verse 4 says, and they will turn away. These individuals will turn away from listening to the truth. And they will wander off into myths. There will come a time when people will seek out teachers. Teachers to tell them what they want to hear. What makes them feel good. They will turn. They will turn their ears to avoid hearing the truth. Can you imagine? Not you. Not us. Never. But can you imagine walking away from the truth of God to listen to others? To other fables and myths that don't challenge you but encourage you to continue to live recklessly? And that's what the enemy wants to do to us. And Paul knew that. The enemy would attack young Timothy to distract us and tempt us as well as Timothy to depart from the truth. You've ever been tempted to depart from the truth? You've ever been tried to be distracted? The the enemies come and try to distract you, to lure you away by deceptive false teachers? False teachings? And Paul knows this, and he writes this to Timothy. The Lord knows it, and he puts it in the word of God for us today. I like how one Bible teacher puts it, and I'll quote him. He says, once people leave the word of God, they often then embrace fantastic fantasies. When a man rejects God's truth, it isn't that he believes in nothing. He will believe in anything. Scary. Verse 3 and 4, Paul doesn't end, put a period, wrap it up, go home, let's have dinner. Again, he keeps on going in his thoughts. As the Holy Spirit is giving him clarity on what to write to Timothy, he keeps on and he says to Timothy, verse 5, he says, as for you. Guys, this is so beautiful. He tells Timothy, always be sober-minded. Always endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. How are we doing with that, church? Oh, that's not for me. That's for Timothy. <laughs> for I am already being, look at what Paul says. I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. Paul is in prison. He's writing a letter about to die. And he knows that. And he says, I'm about to die. Look what he says in verse 7. May we all say this one day. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Verse 8, henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also all, who've lo- all who he has loved, all who have loved his appearing when he came and saved us here on earth. I read this text, I read this letter to Timothy, and I, and I apply it to my life, and I see what it's speaking to me, and I believe that we are in season, not just me, you're in season. You can't leave here and say, whoa, man, pastor was really on one today. He was really in season today. <laughs> no, you're in season today. We're in season. We're always ready. I believe that for your life. I believe that's what God wants for you today, and that's what I'm going to be reminding you for the next few weeks or so. This may be the time. This may be the time to reap the great harvest that the Lord has prepared for us. Oh, you're not ready for that. Is it scary? There's a lot of responsibility in that. Come on, there's action to that. This may be the time to reap the great harvest. I want you to listen to these words now by Jesus. In John chapter 4, right after Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at the well, he says in John chapter 4, in verse 31, he says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, and they said, Rabbi, eat, Rabbi, eat. And I'm going to break this down more maybe next week. Just wanted to read it to you this week. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm getting to the place where I'm going to end. Rabbi, you need to eat. You've been ministering. You were talking to the Samaritan woman. It's time to eat. Not a bad thing from the disciples. That's good that the disciples cared that the rabbi didn't eat, that Jesus himself has to nourish himself. But Jesus is going to grab a physical truth that the disciples are telling him to reveal a spiritual truth so that their eyes could be taught something spiritually. And he says to his disciples who are forcing food down his mouth, he says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And, you know, they start to say, well, has he, did someone go get a McDonald's already? <laughs> did someone already order him food? Did Uber, did Uber Eats pass by? Anyone? Anyone saw it? Has anyone brought him something to eat? They're confused in verse 33. But Jesus now continuing to teach them in verse 34 says to them, oh, my goodness, when you're going to get this, my food is not to do the, my food is not what you're speaking of. I almost made an error there, and then you clip it, and then it becomes heresy. Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> my food is to do the will of him. The, the, the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's what I'm eating every day. My food is spiritual. Does it mean that Jesus didn't have to eat? No, he was also man. He ate. But he was grabbing a physical reality to speak about a spiritual truth. My food is always to do God's, the Father's will. Verse 35, he says, do you not say that there are four months and then comes the harvest? There are seasons. But I tell you to lift up your eyes. He's talking to his students. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says, look. You could imagine Peter, of course, saying, where? Where do, I, where do you want me to look? He says, I tell you to lift up your eyes and see the fields, 
They're white for harvest. When Jesus was teaching this, I didn't want to get too into this, but most likely a lot of Bible scholars believe because he's right there by Samaria. The Samaritan woman encounter just happened. He's there speaking to them by the well, and as he's speaking, he looks in, at the field that's in front of them to go back to Sychar, and then he says to them, look, the, the field is white for harvest, and what they're seeing is the workers going back home. All the Samaritans, they're walking back across the field back home. So the disciples say, he says, look, the field. And when they look to the field, it's a bunch of Samaritans. And Jesus is saying, one day, they too, they will receive the gospel from you. Not just Jews, but Gentiles and, and mixed and all kinds of people. All will receive the gospel of salvation. And he says, the harvest is ready. And they're looking at souls walking down the field, across the field to their homes. And he says to them, lift up your eyes. See that the fields are white for harvest. We'll speak more about this next week because we're starting school. But this season that we're entering is going to be a harvest season. School is going to be a blessing this year. You hear me? For teachers, it's going to be a blessing. For students, it's going to be a blessing. For parents, it's going to be a blessing. For the church, it's going to be a blessing. We're going to believe that, man, look up for the harvest. There's, there's a harvest in the field, and it's there in our schools, and it's there in our workplaces. It's there for our families. Verse 36, it says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Man, we'll get into all this. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. And I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor Others have labored. Can you imagine what the disciples are thinking? Well, who's labored? He's like, me. Jesus is like, I'm laboring. I'm reaping. I'm, I'm sowing. And before me was John the Baptist. My cuz, cuz was, was planting seeds. John the Baptist and me, we did work here on the land. And then he says, but you, you've entered. You've entered into the labor. Don't look at this with an earthly. Don't say that we need to wait for the proper season, disciples, to be able to reap the harvest. Jesus says, look, lift up your eyes. See that the fields are white for harvest. He's telling them, get ready, you're in season. I, I want to ask you, church, because this is it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not here to pump you up on a Sunday or, or like, uh, let's be truthful, let's be honest Let's write this down. Let's answer this before the Lord in the Lord's truth. What is the Lord calling you to so that people can come to know Jesus? To win the lost. Jesus says to his disciples, look, the field is ready for the harvest. You guys ready for that? You guys ready to do what God's called you to do? You guys ready to preach in and out of season? This is the time. The Lord has been stirring our hearts. You heard me last Sunday. If you were here, I shared a little bit about it. What does it look like to be the church just outside of these walls on a Sunday? Because this is just so minimal of who we are and what we are to do. So God has been stirring some brothers Let's just do something. Let's see what happens. And you heard me last Sunday say that we did like an outreach right in front of my house. I did it with some other brothers. And when they got to my house, prepping for it in the morning as I woke up, I began to grow in fear. 
because I'm fleshful as well and I lack faith at times. And I said, oh my God, I just told these brothers to come over. I shared with them this vision. But what happens if nothing happens? They're going to think I'm a lunatic. And I started to get into my mind and they got there and I even started to plant the seed of doubt in them. Very honestly, I said to them, hey, we got to do this. Even if we fail, we'll never learn. So let's go out there thinking already, probably going to fail. It's not going to work. We opened up the gate in my front house. We put up a tent and we played music. I didn't know what else to do. I just thought we were going to give out water. Then the other Carlos comes and he puts a table out. and he, he begins to put clothes and shoes and all kinds of stuff and I said, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. People could come and pick up stuff. I said, oh, okay. The other Carlos came with signs, stretching and everything, but signs. That's an inside joke. Omar came. And if you know Omar, he started, it's like a, a magician with a hat. You know how he started taking out rabbits and stuff? Omar opens up his trunk and then it's like a sign comes out believe in jesus a tablecloth comes out you need prayer a tent come i mean and you just look at omar like this guy and then we started to play music and then we just stood there and i said "Uh oh (laughs) let's see how it goes something so small wake up on saturday open up your home and allow cars to drive by and receive prayer and give them something for free. Give them some water and pray for them. Uh-oh. What can God do? Let's show this video. It's about 34 seconds long. Very simple. Very simple. My neighbors came out, what are you guys doing? We're praying for cars that drive up. They came out, sat down, and my neighbor grabbed the sign. Jackson came out and says, wait a minute. I want to give my Steph Curry jersey away. Wait a minute. And, and we're like, let's just, let's just do this. So why am I saying this? Because it's just taking a step. I don't know if I'm in season. What season? You're always in season. The Lord's going to bring the dark to the light. You have an anointing. You have a word of truth. You have the healer. How can the broken not come to that which has the healer? How can the lost not come to the one who has been found? How can the sick not come? Look up, church. The field is white for the harvest. Why did I share that video? Because we live in, we have a beautiful street right in front of us. And get ready. Tomorrow we're going to concrete a date. And we're going to have, from what I hear, we might even have a DJ out here. Seriously. We're going to have a tent. 
We're going to have food. And we're going to invite cars that drive by just to come on a Saturday. And we're just going to pray for people here at our church. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And hopefully God will start to stir you up and you start to reach out to your community. And from there, the vision and the heart of what God wants us to continue to do will grow and flourish and be fruitful. But we believe that the field is white for harvest. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruits in its seasons and its leaf do not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Amen. He is in season. This is speaking of the individual in the word, watering them, and they are in season, and they are fruitful in the work of the Lord. In Galatians 6, 9, it's a reminder for all of us, never grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will, come on reapers, you will reap if you do not give up. You will reap. Amen? All I could say to you, one last time, and then we end, is this. You are in season. Amen.